Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Top of the List. I'm your host, Dom, here with my co-host, RB. What's up, guys? And as we promised in our episode last week, we are discussing the Best Picture winner, Coda. That being the winner of the Best Picture of the, of the Oscars. Um, you can watch this film on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Um, I was enthused after watching this movie, trying to find some better vocab here to use on the podcast. So I was very enthused. But uh, okay. RB, I want to <laughs> I want to hand it right over to you. Um, yeah. what, what did we think about this movie? Yeah, you know, uh, best picture always. If, if I haven't seen it already, uh, I go in a little bit skeptical. I'm like, okay, you know, same. This is, you know, was it worth the hype? And um, by all my accounts, yes, it was. I really enjoyed this film. I thought uh, the acting was incredible. I thought that the story was original enough, but still, a, you know, I'm a huge, always grew up, loved the sort of high school coming of age sort of films. And this was a very different, very new take on it, which I really loved. And um you know, it, it was very pertinent, I, I think, uh, not just to the, the deaf community, community, but to anyone who, who had struggles with a, a difference in their family. Maybe it's their culture. Maybe it's, you know, a, 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 I don't know if disability is the PC term, but, you know, uh, hearing loss, you know, a family that maybe, uh, you know, has, has someone who's in a wheelchair and other people in a community aren't used to that. For example, yeah. uh, you know, this was a very different take on that. And I really think they hit it out of the park. What would you rate it, RB? What's your what's your rating? I'm going to give this one a nine out of ten. Wow. High rating for RB there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've definitely seen some some best picture films that I would give higher scores. Uh, although, of course, you know, The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two. Right. I think are 10 out of 10. Uh, I, I really like Birdman, which is another one that won best picture that I give maybe a, just to tick over this, but this is definitely in the nine range, uh, an amazing movie as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where we usually sit. The nine and above is definitely an amazing movie. Um, and what we usually say is if we give anything a nine or above, it's a must see. So I think we yes. can definitely, and I'll agree with you, RB, this is a must see movie, must see for anybody that is not just film fans, but anybody that wants to learn something, you know, and I think we all have a little bit of us that want to learn something about, cause you know, we, you might not know that much about the deaf community. And I think that this was uh, one of those movies where you can take away a lot from uh, thematically and meaning wise in this movie. And I wanted to comment on what you said, RB. So first of all, I'm, I'm kind of wavering back and forth. I'm with you, RB, on, on it being nine and above. I don't know if I want to give this one a 10 or not. Um, I'm thinking I do. And I want to I throw my logic out there with you and run it by you and see what you think. And it's like you said, RB, this is a coming of age story, which for me was why I was going to knock it down to a nine, which is where you're sitting, RB. And mm -hmm. I was thinking, so my main reason why I wouldn't give this a 10 is because, like you said, coming of age story, it's been there, done that before. And number one thing I want to mention is the family struggles they have in this movie. They are unique for yes. the deaf community, but the stuff that they talk about, like as far as how she gets embarrassed, how she feels at school, that stuff has all been touched on before. So it didn't feel like a new movie in that case, but it did feel new in the aspect of it being death. Like, you know, we've all seen the movie where the high school kid is embarrassed by who he or she or they is. 
and you know they get bullied by it and that's in like almost every coming of age story um but then for a second i had to think about it and what the real meaning of the movie was and this is why i'm thinking i'm going to argue that this is a 10 and that's because the whole thesis of the movie was that just like the brother says in one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is that everybody thinks that you know deaf people are so helpless that they you know they baby at them a lot just like the family was babying babying the brother and that was kind of the point of this being a familiar film to me is that yeah that's the whole point this is a coming of age story just like regular you know hearing people have and that is what i thought made it a 10 out of 10 is because man it also brought that extra layer of meaning to it am i making any sense crb no absolutely i i think you're spot on uh and and that was what was special about this movie you're absolutely right the coming of age the scenes, she's bullied in high school, she's the shy girl, she finds her voice, you know, it helps her get her love interest. Yes, we've seen all of that. Uh, but yes, I think the, the powerful moments in this film were more that the, the group that was coming of age, so to speak, was her family and primarily the older generation, her, her parents learning to do things on, her, on their own, learning to do things without Ruby, our main character, played by Amelia Jones. And I, I think that's why the brother, um, I'm trying to see the, the name of the actor, uh, Leo, uh, Daniel Durant, uh, Leo Rossi, her brother, was such an important role because he was the first person who sort of introduces this because it's, it's not a healthy relationship. And we see this occurring multiple times in the film. The relationship between Ruby and her family, she loves her family. She takes care of her family almost to her detriment. And that's not a healthy relationship with a deaf family and a hearing member or a normal family. And they learn and grow through that and learn to adapt. And that is to me, what is so special about this film. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head right there, RB. And that's, that's why I think it's so unique. And I was a few scenes in this movie. I was like, wow, I've never seen a movie like this before. But of course, one thing I did want to touch on, but I noticed at the end, and I think they talked about it a lot at the Oscars too, is that this was based on a French film, right? If I'm yes. not mistaken. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe it was a film in France, uh, okay. in French that was released in Belgium. Got it. Okay. Yes. So uh, I have it right here. The oh, yeah. uh, La Famille Bayer. There it is. And that's, that translates to deaf family, right? Yes. Correct. Yep. All right. So I mean, it's not like it was the first time it's ever been done, of course, with an international film it was based upon, but it was the first time that a film like this has reached the mainstream in this way. And for that, I think that I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10 RB. All right. All right. No, that's that's uh, high praise. And definitely, I think looking at the other films that were nominated for Best Picture, I think this would align, um, at least the ones that we've seen, that this was the Best Picture that came out. I, I know you and yeah. I, uh, both really enjoyed and were kind of sad not to see nominated for best picture uh, the last duel yeah that uh, was it, an amazing movie yeah but i mean looking at the other things that i've seen that were nominated for best picture i think king richard i thought was very good but i think this was Me better too. uh uh nightmare alley which we reviewed plug for our, our previous uh review of nightmare alley for those of you who didn't get a chance to see it we reviewed that as well but gave that a little bit lower scores as well uh, i'm trying to think anything else that was nominated was there anything else that i'm missing that you saw maybe that i didn't see um i think was dune nominated best picture yes dune yes correct i i, I don't uh, think that i don't even think dune was on the level of this one um, as from an emotional aspect i was really emotionally invested in all the characters in this yeah, one so think, yeah that's you, that's the word i would use yes this film whether or not you've had a struggle 
quite literally with a, a member of your family because they were deaf. This film, emotionally, you were able to connect to your main character, Ruby, because everyone goes through this with their family. It doesn't matter that they're deaf. And that was what was so poignant was, yes, this was a film that was about embarrassed and having to cope with your family's, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, their warts, you know? Yeah. And uh, we've, we've all been through it. Nobody has a perfect family. I mean, at least, I, I guess I can't speak for anyone else, but, you know, nobody that I know has a perfect family. Everyone I has, agree with you. You know, has, has their issues and they go through it, whether or not it's a, it's a deaf family and they learn to move through it. And that's exactly what this fa- this film was about. And that's why I think it got so much praise was because just about anyone in that theater could relate to it. Or is at home, I guess, Apple TV Plus. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we already you just mentioned it, RB Apple TV Plus, the first streaming service to ever win the Best Picture Award. And I think that this yeah. film was definitely worthy of that praise. Um, one thing I did want to talk about, we talked about the brother and how critical he was. He was fantastic. Um, we talked a little bit about the mother as well, her character. We can touch on that more, too. But um, I want to talk about uh, Troy Kutzer. I yep. mean... I, I, I was glad to see that he was uh, the winner of the Best Actor Award before I saw this movie. And then yep. after seeing this movie, I was like, yeah, this is one of the best performances. And like, I'd say probably the last 10 years, maybe it was that good. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to come out and say it right here and now, you know, I, I struggle with with international films. And uh, I mean, a film like this as well. I know this was an international film because, you know, I'm not crazy about reading subtitles. I right. You know, I like I like to be able to to watch the movie and, and understand what's going on and not be reading the bottom of the screen. The way that Troy Kotzer acted in this film, because he was acting, I mean, he he is deaf and uh, you know speaks sign language as his as his mode of communication. I don't think speaks is the right term, but signs. Yes. Uh, and his acting was incredible. You didn't need the subtitles to understand a lot of the things he was saying. He was able to convey that. And that is incredible to me. Like I said, yeah. there are films that are excellent films out there that I just have to pass on because I can't sit and read the subtitles and then enjoy the film as well. This was not the case with this film. Yeah. And I kind of sit on the opposite side as far as that goes for you, RB, because like, I, I, you know, it's been publicly uh, known on our show. The listeners <laughs> of our show know my favorite Netflix show is Dark, which is a German series, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a fully subtitled show. And it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. So that's not a deterrent for me. You know, Parasite, when that one best picture, I thought that was amazing as well. I know RB disagrees with me on that one, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I, well, Squid, I Squid Game is another great example. I love Squid, Squid Game. Game because I could watch it. it they had a dubbed version. Yeah. Uh, whereas I know you said it was powerful in the original Korean. Yeah, I, I thought the Korean actors did an amazing job, but I'm glad yeah. you were still able to enjoy it that way as well, which was which was yeah. fantastic. So that was another great thing. Um, one performance that I didn't know I was going to like so much in this one is the role of her music teacher. I'm hoping that you have the, the yeah, cast Eugenio members. Up he was great. What do you yeah. think of him? Yeah, he's, he's awesome. One of my favorite a- uh, actors. He's uh, also in the Apple TV show, original show, uh, Acapulco. And he's hilarious in that. He's a riot. And before that, he started in a, a film called Overboard. I don't know if you saw Overboard. I saw uh, the but- trailers, but I didn't see it. Oh, it, it was hilarious, and he was incredible in it. So this guy I knew coming, I had no idea he was in this film until he showed up. But I've seen him play funny. He played a very serious role in this film, and he was amazing in it. I thought he was excellent. And looking, 
now back at his at his filmography i mean he did a lot of comedy i mean he was the spanish uh spanish voice of mushu in mulan he was the spanish voice <laughs> of donkey and shrek so he's done a lot of comedy but this was really really amazing to see him in a far more serious role and i thought he to me at least like i said there were certain parts of the high school coming of age story of our character ruby that fell flat but he definitely when he was on the screen carried those scenes his passion as her music teacher was incredible absolutely absolutely and it was just really heartwarming to see the way that he was able to he said you know i i heard something i wouldn't be dedicating my time if i didn't hear something i thought that was really touching um mm -hmm. is is there anything else you want to touch on as far as the performances go rb i mean yeah so uh, just some some parts that fell flat for me definitely i, I the love story yeah I, I i didn't know that that was absolutely necessary uh to the film yeah that i feel you on probably, that probably the part that fell the flattest me that and then the whole thing with her sister falling in love with the or her, her best friend falling in love with the brother uh, yeah, but that it didn't end up that way in the end because he fell in love with the girl that was the bartender right i thought that was oh the friend am i mistaken and that, that was that's her why he, she was able to know and have some signs to him and she said he said he signed to her you know are you even old enough to work here? or texted her because they were passing the phone i think that was the girl she was the bartender with his friend yeah got it i might have missed that because i might have missed that she was, at, she was at the uh the recital before that and then they started holding hands and it was like you know the they had established her as sort of a, the for lack of a better term, she was, you know, the, the sexually active, you know, teenager, but, you know, she proved Ruby wrong and that she actually developed feelings and fell in love with her brother, despite him being deaf, which I think was why Ruby didn't want them to get together in the first place, because she right. thought he would get hurt. Right, right. Yeah. And as far as like all those romantic parts of the movie go, I, I think, you know, like you said, maybe it wasn't necessary but one thing that i loved about it is that it wasn't the focus of the movie a lot of these coming of age stories that's the main storyline yeah. you know and in this one Absolutely. they weren't afraid to put that to the side and focus on what really it was was an intimate look at the internal workings of this family and they never well, distracted from that i think then we should talk about to me what was the climactic moment in the movie and there were a couple at oh the yeah end of the film but I think one of the most brilliant things I've seen in recent cinema are the sequences where we're at her recital, singing her, her duet with her love interest, and we don't get to hear her sing. Yes. We observe the concert from her father's point of view with no sound, but observing the expressions and the emotional responses from everyone else in that theater. And I thought this was a powerful, powerful scene. I thought it was a revolutionary sequence. I didn't know how they could have pulled it off any better. It was absolutely mind-blowing. Like I said, it was something that I never thought I'd see in a movie. But, you know, I'd be remiss if at this point, because it just popped into my head, I'd just be remiss to talk about, like, you know, if anyone enjoys this film, Go check out our, uh, first of all, go watch these films, but then go after you watch them, go check out our review of the Planet of the Apes trilogy. I mean, I felt really connected uh, to those characters as well. And, you know, they don't talk for most of the movie, especially in the second and third one. And, yeah. you know, I felt I felt like that was also another aspect of uh, the film that was similar to something I'd seen before. Uh, Absolutely. No, and that's a good point, including with the, the signing and the, the uh, subtitles, because we do have some sort of signing with uh with the apes in Planet of the apes and i i know we discussed last week that uh 
Tony Kotzer, Tony or Troy, I'm sorry, Troy Kotzer, yeah. uh, has worked with sign language for different languages, you know, fictional languages. You, you would express that he had done that for the uh, Tuscan Raiders, correct? In the Mandalorian. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's just, it's just intriguing, you know, to see, you know, that someone who has that ability as well and has, you know, beyond his acting has gone in and made such what is a major contribution to Hollywood for the hearing impaired community. Yeah. Um, I think we covered all the main performances, but like you said, one aspect, I think you really put it brilliantly here, RB, is that this film doesn't just have one great climax, which is what you were saying, the recital, which Mm -hmm. felt like really climactic, but it has a number of climaxes for me, that being, um, of course, right after the recital, I thought one of the best moments in the movie is, you know, her dad says, oh, the stars don't look the same here as it does out in the water. And then he like grabs her, her throat and her chest and he says, you know, yep. sing the song for me. That mm-hmm. was another great climactic moment. And then again, we get a yep. third climactic moment, which is the true climax of the film. And that's her tryout for Berkeley. Yeah, for Berkeley School of Music and her parents sneaking in and her beautiful scene where she's signing as she's singing because she sees her parents there and she realizes that they may not be able to connect with her from this passion of her singing and she's able to share and connect with them there and i think that's extremely special and wasn't it another like you said yeah another excellent climactic moment just like the recital and the scene where she's outside with her father there's, you know, another great heartwarming scene as well. There are just so many in this film. We keep <laughs> oh, yeah. Watching, you know, the before the recital where her and her mother are having the conversation where she's telling her, when you were first born and they did the test to see if you were deaf, I prayed so hard that you would be deaf. And then when I found out, I was so scared that we wouldn't connect like my mother and I didn't connect. I thought that was an extremely powerful sequence. Oh, my gosh. It was incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And then I think one moment that was like a really great gut punch was the final moments of the movie where her father finally says, go. How about that? Yeah. That was really great yeah. gut punch. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there are just so many great moments in this film. So well-deserving of the best picture, not only nomination, but award. Absolutely. So 10 for me, RB. And a, was it a nine for you? Nine out of 10. Yes, sir. All right. So I, I think we just briefly touched on it, RB. But here at the end, let's just give our quick thoughts on King Richard. What was your what was your uh, what your score for that one? Yeah, King Richard was definitely an eight and a half out of ten. Uh, you know, I think Will Smith gave one of the performances of his life, uh, a la you know his performance in The Pursuit of Happiness, which is another one of my favorite Will Smith roles. Uh, an emotional role, uh, also the the sort of birth of two new stars in our, our young actresses who played Venus and Serena Williams, who were both excellent. Uh, I, I love sports movies, so I was a sucker for this movie, definitely. I think there were definitely some sequences in this that were slower than I would have liked them to be. Yeah. And I think because of that, we didn't get as much, but maybe this is because I'm a sports fan, we didn't get as much of the tennis aspect and I wanted to see more into the early careers of Venus and Serena because as a sports fan for me, I grew up watching Venus and Serena as superstars. I don't know much about their upbringing. And I, I think there was, there's still a gap there that I want to know more about that I went home and read more about. But uh, mm. that was my one thing that I would notch this just below at an eight and a half out of 10 below Coda. Yeah, I, I, I'd sit it as an eight and a half as well, RB. Um, but one performance I thought was really great was uh, John Bernthal in this movie 
as, as the, the tennis coach. And he's yes. you know known for his performances as the Punisher. Of course, he's most famously that as well as a few other films he's been in Wolf of Wall Street. He was great in that. But he played a totally different character than I thought he I, I'd ever seen him play before. So praises to John Bernthal. I thought he was great. Will Smith, fantastic in that movie. Yeah, King Richard was great. But like you said, RB, I wanted I did. I did feel myself wanting a little more focus on the actual sport, like you yeah. said. And um, but there's a lot of stuff I didn't know in this movie that I learned. And it was it was a great movie for sure. So worthy of the nominations it received as well. Absolutely. Now, Nightmare Alley, I know we've discussed that. Once again, you can hear our full review on that. I think we were both more on the fence on. Yeah. Would have at least preferred to see maybe The Last Duel get a, get a nod for at least a nomination. How about Spider-Man No Way Home, man? Surprised to not see that get the nomination, yeah. Uh, let's let's get really, Spider-Man an Oscar. Yeah. Was really surprised also to not see Tom Holland's name in the mix. Uh, yeah, yeah. As well as, you know, it, it got nominated for Best Visuals. Dune won Best Visual Effects. Was surprised Spider-Man didn't win it, but once again, I didn't see Dune. So you could speak more to that, Mom. Yeah, yeah. Dune, was, Dune was great. Dune was great, but... Yeah, I think that's that's about we've covered all all that we've seen thus far. And if we see more down the line, we'll let you guys know if we were recording a podcast later and we'll let you know what we think if we come up with anything else. But next week, uh, well, first of all, RB, I, I'm not going to go see this film, but I want to know what your take on it was. <laughs> so let our fans know whether or not they should give their time to see Morbius. Oh, put me on the spot here. <laughs> Morbius was... 80s 90s unknown superhero movie okay i mean there was some some cool cg action sequences um the story didn't really make sense (laughs) the acting was pretty hokey i know this one's for you dom just there was a very a la peter parker spider-man 3 dance sequence in it that I was watching and I was like, this would drive Dom crazy. Um, So yeah, I mean, like I said, it definitely uh, worth waiting for the stream and not spending the money. Now, is it as bad as everyone's saying it is? No, it was enjoyable. Like I I was along for the ride and I, you know, it's part of the MCU. At least I think it is. Right. Who knows at this point, man, who knows? Right. Right. (laughs) But it was, you know, it was not bad bad but i give it like a five out of ten okay i mean i'm sure you've probably seen online rb that the lowest rated Mm -hmm. rotten Tomatoes score in like what the past five years yeah 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 but you're saying not not really that level of bad i'm I'm surprised it was it was rated that low i i went in and i've I've seen and i'm pretty sure i was looking at like the worst superhero movies of all time a la rotten tomatoes and like one that came up that I had seen, because there were a bunch that I hadn't seen from like the 60s and 70s. One that I had seen was the 2008 Fantastic Four, I believe. Ah, gotcha. Uh, and that one I went and saw in theaters. And that was a bad movie. That was a walkout movie. And there are very few movies I'd walk out of. I would not say that about Morbius. Okay. It was not a walkout movie. It just wasn't, didn't have the grandeur of most MCU or the Sony association with marvel cinematic universe or marvel studios uh, films all right so there you go guys ryan's official take wait for the stream wait for yeah. the stream all yeah. right um i i think that's about all that we have to talk about i wanted to end it on that note um next week are we going to be discussing harry potter 
I think we should start diving into Harry Potter and then the Fantastic Beast series with uh, Fantastic Beast Secrets of Dumbledore getting ready to hit the theaters, I believe, next month. I think early May or late April. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We've I got, think we've got this a week, lot of great films. We got a lot of great films coming out as well. Number um, one on I my know, list. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Number one on my list. April 22nd, RB. We'll have to plan, you know, well, maybe we'll do it a couple weeks after it comes out, but number one on my list, The Northman. Yeah, I, I knew. I knew you were going to do it because it's Robert, <laughs> Robert Eggers. Yeah, that's my boy. And I guess that means I'm going to have to go see it and sit through <laughs> another Robert Eggers film, just like The Lighthouse. <laughs> Man. <laughs> yeah. But I'm hoping we could talk about that one, at least, yeah. if, if no, not right when it comes out, but in the future. But there, there are quite a few films coming out that I'm really excited about. One that, you know, I'd like you to see if you haven't heard much about yet is Everything Everywhere All at Once. I want to see that so bad. Looks amazing. And I, I just happened to be um, in, in the car with, uh, with my fiance's father and he was listening to NPR and they were doing an interview about it. And as excited as I was for the film, listening to uh, our lead actress and the directors of this film, I cannot wait to see this film, a film that's about the multiverse that isn't MCU, but just a complete, it sounds like a completely different take on the multiverse. And I can't wait to see how they do it. Yeah. I I follow a lot of directors on Twitter and man, they have Mm -hmm. been praising it saying it's the best movie in the last decade, all kinds of stuff like that. So we got to, we got to review it. Yeah. Yep. And of course, you know, just to remind you other things that are coming out, uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, of course. Uh, Lightyear, I'm really excited about. I don't know how you're feeling about that one. Dom. I'm very excited. Okay, Lightyear, uh, Secrets of Dumbledore. There's just Top Gun Maverick. I actually just watched Top Gun on my flight down to LA for the first time ever, and I loved it. So I can't wait for Top Gun Maverick. Uh, awesome. Which, if if you haven't seen that, Top Gun is now on Netflix to prepare for Top Gun Maverick. So I'll check it out. Just a lot of great films coming up as we creep into the summer months. All right. So I think that we'll call it there, RB, and we'll leave it uh, for next week. So if you guys want to find us, we can find us on several different podcast services, that being Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts primarily, as well as other uh, services that you might have from your app stores as well. Um, You can give us a rating on Spotify, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, You can also follow RB and I on Twitter if you want to see what we're Finding interesting on the Twitterverse, um, you know, Elon Musk now owning 9% and stuff like that. We'll see what's going on with that too. But um, follow us on Twitter. My Twitter is DomGonzalez48. RB's Twitter is RB with the call. Those are linked down in the description if you want to find those. Um, with that said, RB, take us out. Yeah, thanks guys for listening to another uh, episode of Top of the List. And we'll look forward to uh, having you listen to us uh, next week and many weeks here to come. Later.